0: What is God up to? Well, take your Bibles, if you would. and Let's turn to the book of Genesis this morning. Wasn't that an awesome song? Man, God put his love on the line. He put it on the cross. And uh, we're going to just study about that and look at that. And uh, I'm going to begin a series this morning I've been really excited about. And I want to thank Zach Jernigan... He's our associate student pastor and does a lot of our uh, logo and graphic work. And he put this uh, graphic together that you see up there. And it's a little different looking. But uh, some of you may recognize recognize those hands. And uh, in those hands are just some pictures of different biblical events. But these hands come from this painting. Let's look at the next painting. This painting, how many of you recognize that painting? All right, this is called The Creation of Adam, and you will find it in the Sistine Chapel, and it was painted by who? A bunch of cultured people right here, I'm telling you what. This is a Michelangelo right up in the top of this Sistine Chapel, and it's a it's a beautiful painting. And if you focus in on that hands, it, it says a lot, and this painting says a lot. And I, I hadn't really read much about it until I... I was preaching on this, and we use that as our graphic, and it's a fascinating painting. And you find Adam on your left. Uh, uh, you notice I changed the painting to make sure the nudity wasn't in it. Say amen. All right. Uh, but anyway, I don't know why I mentioned that. But I, I knew I. But anyway, I'm going to stop. Let's go forward. All right, so we're looking at this painting. Oh, back up, go back to that other painting. So we're looking at this painting, and you find Adam bound to Earth, and you find him in sort of a weak posture, and you see his hand is weak. And then you see God uh, on the right, and he's coming from a—he's flying with his angels, and he's—he's he's wrapped in this his red mantle, and he's full of power, and he's in that upper position, and he's—he's—he's he's, he's about to touch. Uh, the, the spark of life into this human being called Adam. And it's a, it's a, a beautiful painting. And what's interesting about this painting is it's the first time, many scholars believe it's the first time they can see in the art of the 1400s and 1500s and all of this ancient art that the right arm, the very right arm of God the Father, is revealed. You know, we've seen his hand, we've seen his arm, but you notice. That it's, it's showing his entire arm. Michelangelo is making uh, a point here. The right arm of God is symbolic of his power. And he is, he is exuding his power. And the arm of the Lord is being revealed. It is being extended to planet earth. And it is giving power and life to a human being. And the arm of the Lord is such a significant thing. And the series that we're going into is basically exposing the powerful arm and work of God in our world. What is it that the arm of the Lord is doing? How many of you believe the arm of the Lord is still extended? Do you believe that? He is still at work in the universe He is not up in his rocking chair, kind of hoping we all do what he says. He is an active God that has his arm extended towards you and me. God is doing something. And the questions that you heard in this intro video is, what is he doing? And the book of Genesis helps unravel that. We want to expose the work and the arm of the Lord. We also want to expose through this series some of the deception that will come. Uh, You already saw this slide. Look at this slide. I think this is interesting. Do you think this was an accident? How many of you remember the movie E.T.? All right, some of you all are way too young to remember E.T., the extraterrestrial. But this is one of the official movie posters. Does that look a little bit familiar? I'm not trying to make a conspiracy here, a theory here, but I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, some of the media in Hollywood, and you know they have been propagating, and some of the key folks have been propagating that life on earth was seeded by extraterrestrials. That the spark of life didn't come from a God, it came from some other source, evolution. And if evolution doesn't work, which we are beginning to see, it really couldn't have created the complexity of human beings and the complexity of life that we see, then it must have been seeded or come here on a comet or something like that. And so you see uh, this effort to to try to take the hand of God out and put something else in. So we want to confront that deception, but I I also want to attack the hopelessness. Through this series without the right hand of God without the arm of God extended we are without hope we are without hope and we aren't without hope because he has extended his arm his arm has been revealed in one of the Gospels Jesus has done a lot of miracles and when he did the miracles in John chapter 12 verse 37 it says though he had done so many signs before them they still did not believe him so that the word spoken by the prophet isaiah might be fulfilled lord who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the what the arm of the lord been revealed jesus claims this he says i am the arm of the lord to you i am god in the flesh I have come in power to extend my hand. And the arm of the Lord in the Old Testament is very interesting. The arm of the Lord uh, was seen as a as a very positive thing. Psalm 89, 13 says, you have a mighty arm, strong as your hand, high your right hand. In Exodus chapter 6, it says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from the burdens of Egypt, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out. And so the arm of the Lord is seen as God's saving power. Jesus says, I am that arm of the Lord to you, but the arm of the Lord also and the right hand of God comes in judgment. It is also the judgment of God, that same right hand, but Jesus comes And he offers a hand of mercy, a hand of grace. And so we want to look over this series at what the arm of the Lord is doing, what the hand of God is doing, and what he wants to do in your life. Now, a lot of it he's just doing because he's God. God can do anything he wants, right? And he doesn't ask our permission. He just does it because he is God. Well, I want us to to look at this arm of the Lord. Let's look at what God is doing. And to start with, I'm gonna go to a rather odd place. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24 before we get to Genesis. I want you to look at Luke chapter 24, verse 25. There are two disciples walking down a road. They're heading toward Emmaus. What's significant about the moment is that this is when Jesus had just been resurrected, these two disciples didn't know it. All they knew is that there was complete chaos. All they knew is that the Jesus they had followed and that they loved and they had counted on and they were putting their hope in had been crucified. All they had known is they saw him die and they saw him buried. And you can imagine the conversation that they were going, having, walking down the road to Emmaus, a conversation of hopelessness, a conversation of What is God doing? Why is there chaos among the disciples? And you you might know this story, but it's really interesting what Jesus does. He's resurrected, and he he comes up, and he's just kind of walking along, and he says he stays incognito. He doesn't want them to recognize him, and so he begins to ask them some questions. You know, what's going on, guys? What's happening? And they begin to tell him about what happened to their Savior? And at some point, Jesus reveals himself. And let's join the conversation. He reveals himself to them, and he says, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Why haven't you believed what the prophets of the Old Testament said? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then I want you to notice this because this sets the stage for our Genesis series. And beginning with who? Moses. Beginning with Moses. And Moses was who gave us Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Gave us those first five books of the Old Testament. Beginning with Genesis. What did Jesus do? He interpreted to them all the scriptures. In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now we need, this is an incredibly important text, because these apostles and these disciples went on to teach the church, to put into scripture, to produce the gospels, to share and pass along these truths. Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. For this church to work, for you to understand what God is doing, you're going to have to understand what the Old Testament says about me. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to take the Old Testament beginning with Genesis 1 and I'm going to explain to you what it says about me. Are you curious? I'm curious. What Jesus might have said as he began to explain, well, I think I know what he began to say because his disciples started to share it and inscripturate it. And and pass it along. What did Jesus say concerning himself in Scripture? Well, just let's just go back to Genesis together. So in Genesis chapter 1, three verses, that's all we're gonna look at. In Genesis chapter 1, he says, In the beginning, and just imagine he's quoting this to his disciples, and they would have probably known that. You might could quote these verses. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But then God said, What did God say? Let there be light. And there was light. Three things that Jesus would have said immediately. He says, I want us to look back here. I want you to know a couple things God is, there is a God. God was there. Second of all, I want you to notice, guys, what was happening. There was darkness, and there was a void. There was chaos. And, and, and over this waters, over the expanse, you see who moving? You see the Holy Spirit moving. And the spirit is moving, the very breath of God is moving over the face of the deep. And that hovering is an incredible word because this, this word hovering is like a, a mother bird hovering over and caring for its chicklets, its babies, you know? And so this is a caring, hovering, brooding type word. And, and then you see in verse three God's work, He speaks. And when God's word happens, when God speaks, stuff happens, right? And then we could read the rest of the creation account. Days one, two, three, four, five, and six. God speaks the uh, form into existence. He creates the planet and all of the things. And then he fills it on days four, five, and six. And the capstone of that is Adam. The capstone of that is Adam and Eve. He created man in his own image But Jesus goes back to Genesis and he says, I want you to see the reality of God, he exists. I want you to see the nature of God. And what is the nature of God? In the very beginning, we see a community. He said, let us make man in our image. You see the Father creating, you see the Spirit moving, and then you see the Son, the very word of God, speaking into existence, Creating all. And so in the very beginning, there was a God. In the very beginning, there was community and there was love. Aren't you glad we have a God of love? In the beginning was love. And there, in the beginning, there was also this chaos, this void. And God spoke into that his word. And so here's what Jesus said about all of that. Look, Let's look at John. I always don't pack so much scripture into all of my messages. You know I pack a lot. But I'm going to read a lot because I want you to see how Jesus would expound on the Old Testament. So here's the apostle John giving Jesus' interpretation later on. So Jesus takes him to Genesis and says, you remember God in the beginning, creating the heaven and the earth? That was me. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word what? was God he was in the beginning with God look at verse 3 all things were made through him now in verse 14 we know that the word becomes flesh and dwells among us who is the word in John chapter 1 Jesus and so Jesus says you remember Genesis chapter 1 that's me In the beginning was the word. The word was me and the word became flesh and I was God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Remember all that life that happened in Genesis chapter one, two, and three? Remember all that life that came through me? Let's let's listen to Paul in Colossians chapter one. Here's the apostle Paul. He again is giving some of the interpretation I think that would have began on the road to Emmaus. Jesus says, Let's go back to Genesis. Here's what I want you to know. So, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul is continuing to explain this. He says, Here's what you need to know about Jesus He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By Him, how many things were created, church? All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. See, Jesus is not a creation. He was the over all of this creation. He was before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now if we go back to Genesis chapter one, there were two creative actions. There was the first creative action God made. The word there means, means "He made out of nothing. He's created it out of nothing. He went from something to nothing. It's a different Hebrew word. Then there's another. Action that God does. And this is where He takes what He has made and He forms it. And He uh, turns the chaos into cosmos. He turns the chaos into order. And Jesus says, Look at this. He says, I am the one who did that, and I am holding all things together. And notice in verse 19 of Colossians, go back to Colossians chapter 1, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things. Now stick with me. To reconcile things means things that become unreconciled. Duh. Right? So there's Division. There's chaos. All we have to do is watch the news. There's division. There is brokenness. There is sin. There is struggle. There's pain. There's all of these things that we could go on and on that we see in a world, not just in a macro sense. How many of you experience a little bit of chaos every day? (laughs) In your home? In your Sunday school class, your life group, your business, your health. We are battling chaos, and look what Jesus is doing. He is reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, and he is making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus comes along, and he says, here's what I'm doing, guys. You remember the first creation, Genesis 1, 1 through 3, that was me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and all things were made through Him. Let there be light, right? So he was there. He says, but then sin entered in the world, and we'll begin to look at that over the next couple of Sundays. He said, sin and chaos came back. Remember what he said every time he created something in Genesis? He looked at it and he said, it is marginal. Marginal. No, he said it is good, but sin came back in and with sin came chaos. Here's the glorious story of Scripture. God came back. God came in the cross and God came in and he came to bring a new creation to restore order in our chaos. If we were to ask the question, what is God doing? He is creating again. He is creating. And I want us to walk through that as much as we can this morning. I want you to see from scripture uh, what he's doing. He's First of all, we know that he is creating again a new humanity, a new people. All of us are broken. So, God comes back in to start a new humanity. In fact, Paul refers to him as the new Adam. And he's starting a new humanity. And it begins first in our spirit where we're born again spiritually and then it will continue, thank goodness one day, when my body will be resurrected, joined back with my spirit and I'll be part of this new humanity, body and soul. Don't you look forward to that day? Jesus, the arm of God, the right hand of God has come back and he is creating a new humanity. Nothing less than that. A new world order he's bringing. He calls it the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he enters back to create. Let me just give you an example, Ephesians 2. See, Jesus came back to breathe once again life into dust. And you say, who's the dust? Without Christ, you are. Without Jesus, we are. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says, And you were, what? Dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy, verse 4, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, <sighs> breathed life into us, made us alive again together with who? Who? The new Adam, we are alive again together with Christ and it is because of his grace that you've been saved. He's making a new humanity by his grace. In verse 10, I love this verse, look. For we are his workmanship and what's the next word? Created. (laughs) Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation, it says in 2 Corinthians. Look at John chapter 6, verse 63. And I know you can't possibly turn to all these, but I just want to flood you with some of this truth this morning to encourage you. In John chapter 6, verse 63... It says, Jesus says, it is the Spirit who gives, gives what? Life. The flesh, old Adam, you and me, is of no help at all. We cannot fix ourselves. We need a new beginning. And the Spirit, the same Spirit that hovered over the chaotic deep, the same Spirit that formed the world and the universe is brooding over us. The same Spirit will give us new life. And look what he says about this. Not only is it the Spirit and the Father, it is the words. He says it is the spoken word, the gospel that will the spirit will use to bring about new life and a new humanity. So he's he's starting a new humanity and he's doing it in the same way he did in Genesis 1. He is coming in and he with his spirit he is bringing life to dead people, spiritually dead people, and he is doing it through the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's the second thing he's doing. Remember, God loves, God is love, and when he creates a bunch of folks and he's bringing about a new humanity, guess what he's doing? The same thing he did in Genesis. He is creating a community of relationship, a community of love, and he's doing it around another tree. But the new tree is not the the tree of life that was in the garden. Our tree of life is the cross of Jesus Christ. He's making a new community around a new tree of life. He wants us to love one another. And I'm going to talk more about that last time, uh, next week. But in Philippians 1, here's what he's doing. He is, he, is, uh, he is moving us towards Christ-likeness. He is taking our chaotic existence, our chaotic life, and he's trying to make some order. Look at Philippians 1, 6. It says, for I am sure of this, that he who began a good creative work in you will be faithful to what? Complete it. He is still at work in you. Now, how is he working at you? Now, this is where I want to kind of hone in and, and, and uh, finish up today. My question is, the arm of the Lord is extended through the gospel Through the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and through his Holy Spirit, he's creating a new humanity. And you are one of them if you have come to faith in Christ. Not by virtue of your intelligence or your good looks or your good moral behavior. It is by grace you are saved through faith. And you get to be in that new family But now he is continuing to work on you and bring the chaos of your life into order. And here's my main point today. You're like, well, I'm about time you got to your main point. I think he wants to bring order in your life through his word. The same way he did it in Genesis 1. He's still wanting to do it through his word. His word brings order. And here's the reason that you and I often struggle with chaotic, disorderly lives. We neglect His word. We, we step out from under the ordering principles of His word. He said, Listen. I have given you life, now let me give you order. And he gives us the gospel, and he gives us the principles of scripture, and he says, here, take this and bring order. The Holy Spirit, with his word, can bring order to your life. Let me just give you a few examples. Wouldn't you like order in the presence of sin? The chaos of sin. Sin blinds us. But listen to what the Word of God did for, say, Timothy, one of Paul's disciples. Paul says this in Second Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you learned and in firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been equated with the sacred writings. Notice what the sacred writings of the Old Testament had the ability to do Accompanied by the Spirit of God in the heart of young Timothy. Look at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been equated with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation. Through faith in Christ. The Word of God is a living Active sword, Hebrew says. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God can bring order by uh, cutting away uh, the the stuff in our life, the sin in our life, and the deception in our life, and help us understand truth, and it can put us back uh, together through the work of the Holy Spirit So the word saves us in the chaos of sin. Second of all, the word guides us in the chaos of decisions. I don't know about you, but I just get tired of making decisions. I get tired of the continual onslaught of decisions about my kids, about church, about what channel to land on when I'm surfing. No, I'm just kidding. Do you all ever have that problem? My wife just says, make a decision. I did. That's my mind. But the important decisions of life, in all seriousness, weigh on us. What brings order in making some of those decisions? I need a word from the Lord, and he has given us the word. I love Psalm 119, 130. says, the unfolding of your words gives what? Let there be Light. It imparts understanding to the simple. His word brings order in the chaos, it brings calm. In the chaos of worry. Your words were found, Jeremiah, and he says, and I ate your words. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I ate them, and they became a delight in the midst of my worry and my struggle. Think about God's word in the chaos of temptation. The temptations that we face every day were faced by the Lord Jesus, and how did Jesus deal with temptation? How did he keep order in the chaos of a direct demonic uh, assault from Satan himself out in the wilderness? How did Jesus keep his mind and his heart in line with the will of the Father? He used it by quoting the Word of God. Jesus looked at the devil after the devil came to him there in Matthew 4, 3 and said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he looked at him and he said this, Verse 4, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that lives in the mouth of God. It is written. How, how can you be prepared to keep your life in order? It is to walk in the Spirit And have your mind and your heart transformed by his word. And that is what the arm of the Lord, the Lord Jesus wants to do in your life. He created you, he began a good work, and he is completing it by helping you become ordered under the authority and guidance of his word. And everything in our culture and in your flesh is gonna lead you away from that count on it so it is why the scriptures just tell us to learn his word i love paul says it will help you bring order in the chaos of church life timothy i love in second timothy chapter 3 he's encouraging this young pastor it's going to get chaotic in church life in in community But look what he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Do you hear the word of God ordering things, putting things right so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work? And let me just give you one final one. I'm convinced that God's word is what can bring order in the chaos of our homes, of our marriages of our child-rearing. It's a challenge, isn't it? Notice what happens in Ephesians 5. He says in Ephesians 5, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand the word. Understand his will. And don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the what? Spirit plus word. And what happens? Look at verse 19. We'll be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And instead of chaos in our homes, you'll find us submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see it? He wants to bring order to your chaos The arm of the Lord is extended to you. Every single one of you. The reason I say that is because there are people that come to me, and I know there are people in this room from time to time, that feel like their life is a pile of rubble. That it has fallen apart. And you feel like maybe something is so broken in you and so disorderly and so chaotic, and you think, man... Nobody's like me. Nobody struggles this way. God can't use my chaos. I'm too far gone. The right hand of the Lord is powerful. And the right hand of the Lord is loving. And he can bring order to your chaos. He's creating Every time I saw that arm and I was thinking about... I remember when my kids, we first had two or three kids. and We had a small car, which meant that while I was driving with my left hand, I could still reach them with my right hand. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? While I was driving... I could reach him. The father's desire, most of the time he had to do this, was to restore order in the midst of chaos. Y'all been there? Sometimes God is reaching back and he, he's reaching back with his hand of discipline and he's just he wants to grab your leg today grab your arm not to hurt you but to get your attention say listen to my word just I've, I've given it to you in scripture just follow it let it let it order you let it lead you and it will it will it will help in the midst of the chaos it can help produce a garden in the midst of chaos But I kind of miss those days because there were other times I reached back. I can just feel their little chubby legs in their car seats right now just to hold them, just to squeeze them, just to love on them. You've been there? Every parent has. Your father loves you. And he wants to bring order. Order if you'll let him. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your hearts bowed, what does the Lord want to do in your life today? He's reaching out his hand. Some of you today need to take that hand for the first time. Surrender your heart to him as Lord and Savior. He's offering that to you. You simply just reach out in prayer this morning. I just encourage you to open up your heart and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for reaching out your hand of grace and life. Just pray that to him. Just thank him. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, just pray to him right now. If you want to be, be born again. Be part of his family. Just pray to him. Lord Jesus, give me life. Eternal life. Forgive me of my sin. I take your hand. Thank you for loving me. Make me a new creature. Just pray that prayer. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you can do it right now, right where you sit. Believer, Maybe you're one of his kids that just has gotten order, out of order in the back seat, and you know you've come out from under his word, and you know you're being disobedient, and you couldn't make him love you any more than he loves you. You can't be moral enough to where God says, "Oh, I finally love you because you're good enough." What parents like that? No. He just wants you to be safe just wants you to enjoy the ride. Let him order you with his word. Let him bring about life. Perhaps you just need to spend some time with him every day, reading in scripture. And it, it's just it's a lifelong journey, growing. Join a life group where others can encourage you. Start reading your Bible through Let him speak to you. A good assignment would be to start reading Genesis while I go through this series. Just start reading Genesis. You'll learn so much. Let him speak to you. Father, I just pray that you've spoken to all of our hearts. Thank you for extending a loving hand of salvation. We embrace it. We thank you for it. And now, God, we respond as we sing. In Jesus' name.